my message, set a fire. And when I think of that song, I think about a lot of different things, but two things in particular. The first is a scripture, and it comes out of Second uh, Corinthians 5:17, where it says, "If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature or a new creation. All the old things have passed. All things have become new. That's the key. Some time ago, though, there was a terrible fire in a nightclub in Rhode Island. Some of the rock and rollers in here will remember this, too. Once again, this demonstrated just how fragile life truly is. There were 100 people that died that day in that nightclub while being entertained at a rock concert when the walls and the ceiling caught on fire due to the special effects display. The fire chief said many of the victims were found near the front door after they ran towards the exit but couldn't get out. It was feared that many were still inside. One of the witnesses said that the place just went up in seconds. That fire came just four days after 21 people were killed and more than 50 injured during a stampede in a Chicago nightclub that began when a security guard used pepper spray to stop a fight. According to the witnesses, within minutes, all the exits were jammed with people, some of them still on fire, and nobody else could get out. Bodies were stacked up like firewood when the firefighters finally came in and couldn't believe what they were seeing. It made me think, though, and it should make you think. Things like that don't always happen for everybody to understand or know what's going on. But it made me think about the victims. How many of these people, these young people for the most part, were securely in the arms of Jesus before they entered into eternity? How quickly they were here. And then they were gone. No time to run. No time to think. And no time to pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for the weekly gatherings. We thank you for our life in you. Lord, we thank you for a new year, new beginnings, when in reality it's just another day in front of another day. But life is precious. It's precious to you, and it should be precious to us, Father. So I ask you, Lord, to quicken our hearts realize that there are people in the world that don't know you and help us to reach out. I'm reminded of what the Apostle James wrote in four chapter, James chapter 4 verse 14. You do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You're just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. In terms of eternity, James tells us that the total time of our individual lives on this planet are in the grand scheme of things just a puff of smoke. 
writer of Hebrews gives a clue as to what comes next when he states in Hebrews 9.27, it is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment. Would you not agree with me that eternity is a long time? I once heard a great description of eternity. It kind of goes like this. If a seagull on the west coast picked up a grain of sand, flew across to the east coast, dropped that grain of sand on the east coast beaches, and then 10,000 years went back and did the same thing again and again every 10,000 years. By the time he got all of the grains of sand from the west coast beach to the east coast beach, he would have experienced the first 10 minutes of eternity. You think about that. You know, it just boggles your mind, thinking in numbers and ages of that length. We're going to look at a couple passages today from Luke. In Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 20, Jesus shares a parable with us, and I'd like to share it with you. Most of you know this, but we're going to look at it a little differently today. It goes, the land of a certain rich man was very productive, and he began reasoning to himself, saying, what shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? And he said, aha, this is what I will do. I'll tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, drink, eat, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very day your soul is required of you. And now who will own what you have prepared? Can you see what the lesson here is? It's the same for the rich man as it was for the victims of the two nightclub tragedies. You and I, in fact, everybody we meet, from the mailman to the person next to you at work, has an expiration date. We all have them. We don't know what they are. Only God knows. That destiny is eternal. And that destiny is either a joyful existence in the presence of God or a Christless, godless eternity in a place prepared for the devil and his angels. And folks, it's a real place. You know, there's a prevailing attitude out there that I hear all the time among some people that the important thing in this life is he who dies with the most toys wins. You've heard that, I'm sure. Well, I've often said to people who think like that, that everything they have and own is just one heartbeat away from belonging to somebody else. (laughs) You know, sometimes it wakes them up. But most of the time, they just laugh it off. In Luke 16, Jesus uh, talks about another rich man and a man named Lazarus. You're all well aware of this story, but I think I'll hit a point in it that you've not heard before. 
He says, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. Quite a picture, huh? (laughs) Note that Jesus did not say, learn the parable of the rich man. He said there was a rich, certain rich man. He was talking about a specific person. Jesus was speaking of a literal event of which he had knowledge. He goes on to state, the time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In hell where he was in torment, he looked up and he saw Abraham far away with Lazarus at his side. So he called to him. He said, Father Abraham, have pity on me. And send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. Now stop there for a minute. It's a story we've heard for years if we've been in the faith. But note the following from Jesus' account. Before their pardon in the Old Testament, before their pardon was paid for, the righteous dead like Abraham, Moses, David, you name it, Joshua, any of them, didn't go directly to heaven as the blood-bought Christians of our age, the church age, do today. Instead, they went to a place called paradise, kind of where the Catholics get purgatory from. Okay, <laughs> You see, hell at that time was divided into two literal places. One was a place of comfort known as Abraham's side or Abraham's bosom, what is it known as in the Hebrew, and the other a place of torment. But both were physically located in this place called hell. Note also that the rich man can see Lazarus and that he speaks of a literal torment that he's in and a real fire. And Abraham explains to the rich man the division of hell and what Lazarus that Lazarus can't come over to him. So the rich man then cries out saying, then I beg you, Father, that you send them, send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, in order that he may warn them so that they will not come to this place of torment. And note this. The rich man remembers his life on earth, as he will for all eternity. He remembers his loved ones, and he's now conscious of their destiny. He begs Abraham to do something, but Abraham simply explains to to him that, well, they have Moses. They have the prophets. Let them listen to them. Read the Bible is what he's saying to them. Read the scrolls. Read the scriptures, and they'll have their answer. But there's one more sad thing to note here, something extremely revealing about this exchange. Abraham is Abraham. Lazarus is Lazarus. The rich man has no name. We don't know who he was. He's never named. He has his memories. He has his awareness of his surroundings. He knows the hopelessness of the situation that he's in. And the only thing he wants more than a drink of cool water is to save his five brothers. But he has no name. 
why do you think that's important? No one will ever speak it again. There is no pardon. There are no visitors. There is no hope and there's no need for a name. For all intents and purposes, he's dead, although eternally aware of it. Put that in your head for a minute. (laughs) Dead and eternally aware of it. Remember the seagulls in the first ten minutes of eternity I spoke of before? Assuming that Jesus was speaking of a rich man of his time, then his condition remains the same today. 2,000 some odd years later except that hell is now truly torment and the righteous dead have been redeemed and taken to heaven by Jesus after his crucifixion but from the time of Jesus until now the rich man has experienced the first five seconds of hell a hell as hot as the Rhode Island nightclub a place Jesus described in Mark chapter 9 as where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Eternal, conscious, perpetual, lonely torment, dead forever, yet alive, and remembering that time when you could have escaped the torment. That is what awaits the mailman or the person next to you or your friends or relatives of whom we often say, you know, I'll talk to them later when the time is right. Or when they say, after you have talked to them, I'll think about it, maybe tomorrow. But God says, you fool, this very night your soul is required of you. Folks, we have so much evidence pointing out the fact that we are living in exciting times and maybe the last times or the last days according to the scriptures the rapture is coming the tribulation is almost upon us we will not be going through that (laughs) but there'll be tribulation that great getting up morning is almost here and the king is coming Amen. amen but he isn't here yet that means we got work to do There are plenty of people alive today who won't be here then either. And just like the hundred people in that Rhode Island fire, for many of us, the end will come sooner than we think. My question to you this morning then is, is this. If it comes to you, will you be ready? I'm going to be frank with you. Will you be ready? Would you like to be ready? (laughs) If you are ready then what about the people that you interact with every day? Are they ready? Do you know? Have you asked? Do you care? That's my question. Scripture says always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that is in you. For those of you here that have made that leap of faith into this forever family, I have a word of encouragement for you today. I do. I know it's been a downer until this point, but (laughs) I have a word of encouragement for you today. Remember our opening verse, 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. 
Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Well, many times in life, we struggle with our past and fail to walk in our potential future. Let me make a profound statement for you today. Your past has absolutely nothing to do with what God can do for your future. God says, in spite of what you used to be, I can still bring you out. I know that you used to be a womanizer, but I can still bring you out. I know that you slept with half the football team, but I can still bring you out. I know that you have bad credit and now you want a house, but I can still bring you out. I know that they call you by your problem and not your name, but I can still bring you out. There's no past too troubled and no person that God can't redeem. I know. After all, he took a murderer named Moses and made him a prophet. He took a pimp named Abram, and if you wonder why I call him that, Read Genesis and you'll find out how many times he sold his wife off so he wouldn't get hurt. But he made him the father of many nations. He took a liar and a cheat named Jacob, Yaakov, and made him a prince and changed his name to Israel and blessed his seed. He took a prostitute by the name of Rahab, called her blessed, and changed her profession. He took a Christian hater and persecutor by the name of Saul, and made him the great Apostle Paul. I could go on and on. The fact is that if God could use those people, he can certainly use you. <laughs> so what? You've had a bad past. That's the problem. You keep living in the past. God wants to bring you into the present and develop a great future for you. He has plans. He says it best in our verse this morning. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed. All things have become new. So hold on, my brothers and my sisters. <laughs> Your chance is coming. No more low self-esteem for those of you that are suffering there. No more worries about your credit history. No more worries about whether he or she is going to pay child support or not. If you fix your mind on Jesus and lay your troubles before him, He'll take care of you. Hallelujah. And glory to God. Do you realize that most people have lost their mind over what you probably survived? But you made it through. And sometimes we need to just thank God for survival. And if you don't hear me, maybe you're looking for the big testimony. But the true testimony is, I was a junkie, a thief, a murderer, and many more things that I'm not proud of and always looking for my next thrill. But I survived it. Praise God. You may have thought that you'd be on Prozac for the rest of your life, but God healed you. You're a survivor. Amen. So stop right where you are, stand up, and give yourself a big high five. I mean it. Get up. Get out of your seats. And give yourself a high five. <laughs> now sit down. <laughs> because you made it. You made it. And you've got to be happy about that. And look at the person next to you and say, I made it. Okay. People may not understand it, but you know what time it is.
Stop trying to make people understand you and praise God anyhow. After all you went through and you're still serving the Lord. And still a child of God, which you always will be. You are a survivor. I thank God for being a survivor. God brought me out and he brought you out. If the truth were told, (laughs) you know that you had suicidal thoughts about the problem, but God brought you out. And for those of you here this morning that don't know this God I'm talking about, he can bring you out too. I do believe I've got a few witnesses here. (laughs) Most people couldn't go through what you've been through and make it. Others have given up on life and are homeless. But God brought you out so that he can bring you into the joy of life. I feel like preaching, but the devil doesn't want me to, and I better not. But I tell you what, forget the devil, and I'm going to preach anyway. Before I finish this morning, I want you to stand up because we're going to have a little audience participation. I'm certain that everyone in here can relate to one or more of the items I will say. So you all need to repeat after me. Stand up. I'm going to give you short phrases, and you've got to repeat them after me. I want to hear it out loud because it's being recorded. God has brought me out for a reason. God has brought me out for a reason. I survived because he has a plan for me. All the bad relationships. All the suicidal thoughts. The bad credit. The repossessions. The negative thoughts. The backstabbings from my supposed friends. The death of my loved ones. I made it. I made it because I'm blessed in the city. I made it because I'm blessed in the fields. I'm blessed when I come and when I go. The devil is defeated. Because he lives. Amen. Sit down. <laughs> Give yourself a hug. <laughs> Wipe your tears away if that if you if I hit a note for any of you. <laughs> Wipe your tears away and walk in that victory. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. I can't say it enough. Jesus loves you. Be blessed and know that you are. If you're here this morning and you don't know where you will spend eternity, All you have to do is reach out to his outstretched hand and receive his invitation to become one of his children. You don't have to do anything else except believe that he is and that he is a redeemer of those that are lost. There'll be folks in the back of the church this morning after we finish with communion that can help you make that decision and point you in the right direction. Don't let this day go by without making that decision. Jesus says to you this morning, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Won't you open that door? Won't you open that door? Let's pray. Precious God, our Father.